Hello everybody, um, forgive me, I'm a little bit stuffy and congested, but the show must go on, wouldn't you agree? So, I am switching to a new topic, I know, I know, everybody was probably so intrigued with sex, and believe me, so am I, I can talk about that all day, especially in this context, but um, I wanted to switch to... A different topic and I'm calling it the call to create um, just because of a conversation I had where it seemed very obvious um, and I felt very convicted by the Holy Spirit and then it was just the message I received from that conversation was a little bit too it was it was hard to ignore it was very clear that oh that's a concept in the Bible that I know of, but I haven't particularly, I haven't really gone that deep into it. So I figured now would be the time to do so. So the call to create, what does that mean? Um, I wanted to talk about why we're so self-conscious when it comes to creativity and you know what the Bible says about it and what we should be doing. And just a couple of my thoughts that came that came to be. And I guess, you know, the first thing that would be helpful is defining what, what it means to be creative. And of course, there are the obvious ones, like if you're an artist, a musician, if you're a writer, a dancer, um, if you're into film or design, fashion, sculpting, even, you know, sports, marketing, even though something where it takes out-of-the-box thinking and also... It's not particularly um, one-size-fits-all, you know. So creativity can come in a lot of forms, and those are the most obvious ones that we can, we can look at. And I want you to think back to when you were a little kid, and what did you do for fun? Now, if you were like me, who had no hobbies or anything, you probably just watched TV because that was all there was to do and you had no enrichment, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, we're still going to continue on anyway. There's something that comes along with being a little kid. It's because you haven't really been jaded by life experience yet. And you go about doing nearly everything with your whole heart. You put your whole mind and body into it because that's all you know what to do. That's all you know how to do. And you're not even worried about looking silly, like you don't know what you're doing, and you have no concept of perfection. It's really just, look what I am doing, I did it. And that's good. that was good enough for you, most likely. And if you're listening to this thinking, no, Nikki, my perfectionism issues started quite young, I believe me, I... I don't doubt that, but try to think even a little bit beyond that when you were just doing and you weren't thinking too much about it. And I want you to think of how you perceive all of your hobbies in, in to be more specific, your creative hobbies. Do you have any blockages from just creating just for the sake of creating? I know I definitely did... Um, some of, some of the ways I like to be creative are writing. That's the most obvious one that I've been doing for the longest. And I remember the times where 
I used to write trilogies, just absolute, just fill up notebooks with all of these stories. And they, you know, they had all these parts and characters and it was so fun. And it was, it was great. And then I don't really remember who was the one who told me, well, you're not ever going to be an author. So why do it? And I just stopped. I honestly just stopped. I used to write songs. I don't even, I never even grew up playing an instrument, you know? And I remember thinking like I used to have journals filled with all those things. And I remember throwing them away because yeah, you're, you're right. I'm never going to do it. And stories that I had started were just left unfinished and it was a little bit depressing. And I noticed, <laughs> you know, it took me a long time to get back into writing, which was only just a couple of years ago. And it was more just journaling just so I didn't go insane. And, you know, I could start working on my mental health. But I remembered I used to enjoy, you know, writing poetry. And it was a way for me to kind of let off some steam, but also it was fun to create something that was actually kind of good sometimes, occasionally, once in a great while. But I remember trying to, and this was a couple years ago, um, like when I was just getting back into writing, like, okay, let's write a poem about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I was just stuck. I was just frozen. And I was like, oh, why am I, this used to come so naturally this was so easy back in the day, like what happened? And I realized, you know, all of these adult fears came into the picture. And what I felt were things like, I was afraid of imperfection. I was afraid of judgment. I hadn't even told anybody that I was gonna do this, but I'm, I was already thinking if I show this to someone, they're gonna think it's dumb. And that led into, you know, the next thing that I was afraid of, which was ridicule. What if they not only think, you know, it's it's dumb, but they think I'm dumb for it, for this is what you made? That's embarrassing, right? And this vulnerability that comes with sharing your art, it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes if you feel unsafe with the people you're sharing with, or just even uncomfortable with sharing in and of itself. And I was thinking, you know, what is the deeper meaning behind why we are afraid of these things. Why are we afraid of imperfection? Why are we afraid of judgment? Why are we afraid of ridicule? You know, what's the, what's the deeper meaning behind that? And the, the simpler answer, but still, still a little bit uh, deeper under the surface is we're afraid of not being accepted into a group. If there's people who are saying whatever you created or whatever you wrote or whatever you made is dumb, you start to doubt yourself and you think, oh, shoot, like, uh, then I shouldn't do this. If people don't even like it, what's the point? And then even, you know, one level deeper than that is we're afraid of not being accepted for who we truly are. Um, it's very common for people to put a lot of their identity in the things they like to do, create, or just, you know, use to pass the time. So if you're a singer and you make a song and someone says like, oh yeah, you know, not really my style. Like I actually don't really like that. You know, it's a natural human tendency to take that comment and take it very personally of, you just don't like me. And that's, that's not a great feeling because we're, we're made for connection. We're made for belonging and acceptance is a big part of that. 
And if you're constantly feeling, you know, unaccepted or kind of, you know, pushed aside, it's going to, it's going to take a toll on you, you know? And there is another aspect that I want to bring up and it'll be perhaps a topic for another time, but the concept of detachment, um, that's not a, that's not a bad or dirty word. It's just the practice of removing your self from the things that you do or the things that make up you as a person, you know? So it, for example, it would be like, if you were really into the job you have and all of a sudden you lost it, now you're going to lose, you're going to subconsciously think you lost a part of yourself because you put so much of your identity in that job. Well, detachment is, you know, kind of regrounding yourself and, you know, from a Christian's perspective, you want to be putting your identity in who God thinks you are. And, you know, of course, that's someone who is loved extensively and is just so cared for and supported. And also, God sees you not only as blameless, and he doesn't even keep a record of your past. He doesn't hold it against you. He knows what it is, but he doesn't hold it against you. He sees you as everything you could possibly be, which is something I don't know if if most people have thought of extensively. I hadn't until recently, but it makes sense in the grand scheme of things, you know, with what Jesus did for us and how that allows us to be blameless in God's eyes to where he can only see us as who he created us to be truly before, you know, life kind of got in the way and we got a little discouraged. So other things to think about. But let's get into, like, what does the Bible kind of say about this? Is there even anything? And what I, the first thing that came to mind when I thought of this topic is, well, we were made in God's image, humankind, and God is a creator. So by the transitive property and such, <laughs> math math people correct me if that if that's the wrong analogy, but if God is a creator and we are made in God's image, then that means we are creators as well. It may look different for everyone and we're all going to be, you know, creative in different things and our talents are going to be in different things, but we are called to do something with the abilities that we have, right? So with that, um, I think you know where I'm going to get at. I'm going to get into the parable of the talents. So um, this is in Matthew 25, and it's 14 to 30, I believe. So we all we know the story. There's a master and three servants, and the master decides to give talents to each of these servants, and he wants them to go out and do things and make him, you know, more talents, which in this case is... Um, it is the currency at the time, but it's also metaphorical in literally a talent. So to one servant, he gives five talents. To the second, he gives two. And to the last, he gives one. And the servants that had five talents and the servant that had two, they both end up doubling theirs because they went out, they traded, and they got themselves more money. So that was good. They took action. That's the key part is they took action. Now, the last servant who only got one talent, 
he decided to bury his in the dirt. And it says, because he was afraid and because he knew his master to be a hard man. So there's two elements here. Number one, because he was afraid. He was afraid to take action with what he was given. And number two, he has this misconception of the master where, oh, well, I heard you were you were mean and you were going to criticize me if I did something wrong. And up until this point in the story, we don't have any context. So we, we actually can't officially confirm whether or not the, the master was mean or not. But, you know, let's see how the story progresses. So the guys who, or sorry, the servants with the five talents and the two talents that both doubled theirs, the master is very happy with them. He says, good job. Um, you've proven to me that you can handle a little bit. I will give you more now. So it proves like you you were responsible for what you did and you have something to show for it. So that's good. Now, the, guy, the person who only took the one talent and buried his because he was scared, the master is upset and he ends up casting out the servant after telling him to give what he was trusted with to the servant that got um, that doubled it to 10, you know? So it brings in this idea of to those who have, more will be given. So um, to break this down, the more you obey and the more you use your talents, you know, to serve God's kingdom, to make his children happy, the more God will give you to handle and to look after. You'll get more opportunities to serve. Now, this is also just um, a lesson in regular life where the more you practice and you become consistent with your talents, abilities, skills, anything like that, the better you get. That's a very natural a part of life. The more you do, um, the more you do things, the better you'll get generally. And then now the, the not so fun part of this is what does it mean for the people who have less now? So the people that are not using what they have, I, I don't want to say squandering, but yeah, squandering, you know, you're given something from God in this sense. We're all naturally gifted at something or at some things. So I would have to say from this conclusion that if you're not utilizing your talents for the good of the kingdom, not only is it going to hurt you spiritually, meaning you're not going to get opportunities to serve, it's going to be taken away, um, but also you're kind of being disobedient in a sense. And that is something I hadn't thought of in this way before. I thought, okay, well, maybe I am talented in, in a couple things or, you know, I'm, I'm not terrible at these things, but, you know, I'm not the best and there's people that are better than me and I really don't want to put in the work to do this. So I'm just going to not do it. sorry it does not work that way it doesn't work that way and there's I think of it like like this I know we're all afraid of imperfection but it doesn't hurt to remind yourself that perfection does not exist and I know we want things to be good but how are you ever going to perfect and correct if you never actually act 
that's the thing. This idea that we have of, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this when I'm really good at it, when I'm an expert, but how do you think you get to be an expert? It doesn't just happen because you really want it to happen one day. I wish it did. Do you know how many things I'd be, ex- I'd be an expert in because I really wanted it? Like, a lot. But the thing of it is, if it worked like that, everybody would be good at everything. So to make this, to distinguish between the experts and the beginners is how much time and how much energy you spend doing this. And of course, you know, sometimes there are things you're good at that you're not too stoked about doing. That's where self-discipline and obedience come into play. And there are some things that you're naturally really great at that you really enjoy. Now, definitely, if you're not putting an energy into those things, like I would suggest, I would suggest making a change. And if nothing else, everyone is so different and so unique. And yes, our gifts and talents are similar, but because of your personality, because of how God, you know, curated your life, your personality and your life experience, it's going to have like your personal stamp on whatever that talent or ability is, which makes it special. And in that case, and by that logic, everyone is truly special because we are all different. No two people, as similar as they may be, are exactly the same. It's a wonder and truly a blessing that God made each of us so different and you know, that doesn't mean there's no similarities. Honestly, we wouldn't be able to function as a society if we didn't have those similarities. But also, we wouldn't function if we were all the same and if we were all talented in the same things. I used to be very, I guess sad is the, is the correct word, you know. I've always loved music, but up until recently, I have not had the drive and dedication to learn an instrument or to even, you know, learn music theory. So I was always kind of jealous of people who were very musically inclined, especially when they use that talent for worship. It's something different um, in that particular combination. Instead of asking God what my talents were and asking them or asking him to, you know, help me develop them, I was just complaining, saying, oh god you know so-and-so is such a good singer so-and-so is such a good guitar player like how come i'm not like that knowing full well it was my choosing (laughs) knowing full well i was not dedicated up until recently like but still i'm complaining nonetheless (laughs) and just kind of sulking and oh woe is me like i'm not a super good musician like you know and and so on and so forth and instead I had to reluctantly change the question I was asking to, okay, God, what can I do decently well? Not perfect, not fantastic, but just decently well to where I can serve you. And well, ironically enough for for me, that was speaking and teaching and guiding. And I didn't want to do any of that. And it sounded really hard. And then the whole podcast idea, you know, that all went through, but Um, when I changed how I was talking to God and instead of just being sad over the gifts I didn't have, I thought, okay, fine. Well, if I don't have the gifts that I want, let me at least try to do well with what I do have. 
kind of getting over your own ego in a sense, because at the end of the day, it's not, it's not even really about being the best. It's not even about being good. Even it's about listening to God. It's about obeying God and using what he has given us for the kingdom. And then once you kind of, you know, swallow that and you're okay with it and you finally, you know, accept it the way I had to, or maybe you're better at it. And maybe you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. That's an easy thing to follow. Good for you. (laughs) Um, Once you kind of adopt that mentality, it makes developing your gifts a lot more fun because it's not even, it's not about the end result. It's not about, oh, look, I had this worship song and it brought so many people to Christ, though that may happen. But if that's your goal, it's going to cheapen the process along the way when the real goal is to practice being obedient to God and listening to what he tells you. And that's, of course, in you know every aspect of life. I'm just speaking primarily right now on gifts and talents just because I had a conversation um, with my brother who I believe is very artistically inclined. Um, He's very dedicated to everything he does and he's been doing it for so long. Um, He's very good at music. He's very good at art. He's very good at design and he's particularly into fashion and you mix all those things together and you know, he has a lot of things that are opportunities for him. And I was encouraging him into just going out and creating getting over the idea of what if I make something and no one wants it? Well, okay, yeah, you may think you can get caught up in that. But how many people can say I created something, I took it out of my brain, and it's now into reality? Some people are really good at that. And some people are just not. And if you're someone um, who's not particularly, you know, one of the pioneers doing that, I would suggest trying, giving it a shot, and you'll be very impressed by who you are revealed to be during the process. And maybe even if it's not that great, or maybe you're wishing you did things differently, then that's a good indicator to make changes. We don't have to be afraid of these things. We don't have to be afraid of negativity or things not going our way. It's when you're so attached to the outcome or you know the perception that comes along with it that's when things get not fun that's when they're hard and they're kind of discouraging but if you truly fall in love with the process in this case obeying god you know developing your talents and then just kind of bringing them into into reality and for the use of other people that becomes so special and you're you become encouraged just by doing what you're supposed to be doing and the fact that you're doing something rather than nothing. And I think of even the first example, think of Adam in the garden. We're built to work. We're built to create. You know, when God created Adam, he didn't just say, okay, Adam now just lays around in the sun all day. He said, no, you're going to, you're going to keep this garden. You're going to till the land and you're going to, you're going to be put to work. It's good for you to do this. And He even let Adam name all the animals in the garden. Just on earth. Isn't that amazing? 
So he got to use his creative ability, and then now he also gets to take care of the things he helped name once God gave him dominion over the animals, you know, and so forth, and the story continues. That's what his job is. So there's, there's a lot of interconnected themes throughout this. We're built to do something, whether it be work or create, and we're supposed to also use what we've been given to the betterment of other people to enrich their lives somehow and you know I understand where that the fear of imperfection comes along you're worried people won't like what you made or maybe even they might laugh at it whatever and I'm here to tell you you know what to be completely honest that is not our concern People's opinion and end result is not the end concern, okay? I want to reiterate, our concern is following God's instruction, using what he gave us, and he does the rest. God does the rest. All he's asking you to do is listen. If we just merely listen and we do what he's telling us to do and we stop ignoring and we stop letting you know, our worldly fears get in the way, then whatever we create, whatever we write, whatever we sing, whatever whatever that is, it will reach who it needs to reach in the way it needs to reach them at the time they are ready. Now, there's no way we can know that. That's not for that's not even for us to know. Okay? That's for God to know and he'll do what needs to be done. We just need to do our part too. We are co-creators in this. We are not the creator, but we are creators. So the overarching theme of this is listen to the call. If you have something that's been on your heart that you've been wanting to bring to life, do it. Why not? We're going to die one day. And I don't want anyone to be on their deathbed going through their life events and just think, oh, well, thank goodness I didn't make that t-shirt design I wanted to make because people might not have liked it. If that's how you, you're thinking, what's probably going to happen is you're going to get to the end of your life, this long, happy life, and think, dang, I should have made this and see if someone would have enjoyed it. At least you have it out. At least you would have had it out there. So I challenge you to think of, think of creation and creating more through that lens. It doesn't really matter if nobody on earth thinks this is great. God does. And he's happy that, hey, if I ask you to do something, especially with something I gave specifically to you and you're not using it, it's just, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem smart. There's too many reasons to do it and not enough reasons why not to do it aside from our own fear. And fear is just indicating that, okay, you are you kind of want people to enjoy it. That's a good piece of it, you know, because it means you care enough that whatever you make is going to bring joy to someone else. That's great, as long as that's not what's stopping us from doing. And plus, everyone's so different. Everyone is so unique. You can't please everyone. And there's going to be people who are just not that into what you do. And that shouldn't scare you. Are you into every single thing everyone else does? 
Probably not. Because you have your own tastes. You have your own opinions. I mean, I hope you're not one to harshly criticize or even make fun of. I know I've kind of had that in the past too. Not to people's faces, but just kind of like, you know, you make fun of artists, you know, like who's some, someone I can't stand, honestly, is, is Beyonce. I don't like anything about her music. And I'm like, oh man, she's the worst, or whatever, and blah, 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 blah. Instead of putting energy into being negative toward Beyonce, I am going to put more energy into Drake. I love Drake. Maybe that's not the most Christian thing to say on here, but his music is catchy and, you know, I'm still working through that. <laughs> so, so yes, go out and write the screenplay, write the trilogy, make that song, design that shirt, whatever you're going to do. And, and for the people who are listening to this thinking, okay, Nikki, this is all, this is all great and everything, I guess, but I'm not creative at all. What am I going to do? I, I can't even hold a pencil to someone. I can't, there's nothing that I have. I'm, I'm tone deaf, whatever excuse you want to throw at me. Well, I raise you this. Maybe it's not creative in a traditional sense, but maybe you're really good at creating systems. Maybe you're really good at execution. Maybe you're really good at task management, delegating, or maybe even you are just a super great cheerleader. All of these components and all of these types of people are still important and they're still needed just as much as the people who are actually doing the creating. If you help a creator bring their vision to life, that's so important. And to think like, oh, maybe it's not, it's not as obvious and maybe it's a little bit more behind the scenes but that still is very important and in some cases I would even argue that's more important because sometimes it's harder to do the things that are not recognized because as humans we do want that validation we do want that recognition but you know what the sooner we let that go the happier we're going to be overall but also God is the one who sees all the work you do he sees the behind the scenes work. He sees all the time and all the recognition that maybe other people don't. And that's who we need to be striving for. That's the approval we need to be striving for. Not so much the validation of others because there's no guarantee you're going to get it. But if you're obeying God and listening to him and deepening your relationship throughout all of this, this entire process... He's going to be so proud of you and he is going to, that is going to matter to you and you are going to start working for him and not for other people. And it becomes this, this upward spiral, this upward spiral of, well, if I'm not so encapsulated by other people's opinions, I'm really working on what God wants me to do. You feel so much more fulfilled that sets you up to do more so of what God wants you to do. Because now you're not really worried. It's like everything you do is just the cherry on top because you're already being praised for listening. And that is something that is priceless.